In this episode, we offer some tips and suggestions for writing a letter asking people to support your mission and organization. Hello, and welcome to the Nonprofit Radio Show, a podcast with tips and tools for small nonprofits. If you feel in the dark about how to run a nonprofit, sunshine is on its way. I'm Nancy Bacon, and I'm joined by Sarah Brooks. So, Sarah, it's it's the closing days of summer. Labor Day looms above us. What have you been doing? Uh, I have been dreading writing our organizational annual appeal letter. Really? So, so first, let me ask you, why have you been dreading it? Well, I just always feel like it's one of those like final exam projects from school where you just need to get your initial traction and then it goes. But until you get your initial traction, you just sit there and think about it for a long time looking at a blank screen. And I bet you feel like so much is riding on this, right? Like your ability to raise those billions of dollars that you need to do good work, right? (laughs) Right. And probably irrationally so, right? I mean, probably a a fine letter would do fine. Um, But yeah, you feel like it's this chance to articulate kind of where your mission and your organization are and you want to do, you want to do right by that. Absolutely. So so let's define what an annual appeal letter even is. So an yeah. annual appeal letter is a fundraising communication sent to donors and supporters of, of your organization. And you usually do it on an annual basis. So this isn't your maybe, you know, every other month letter or whatever. It's your annual letter towards the end of the year. And its goal is to encourage individuals, businesses, or foundations to make a charitable donation to a nonprofit. I looked that up on ChatGPT and I tweaked it a little bit. Did I do okay, Sarah? That's pretty good. And we will talk about how you can't use ChatGPT to just write your letter. (laughs) (laughs) It's good for definitions. What I appreciate are two parts of this. One, it has a pure purpose. Its purpose is to raise money. Correct. And the second part that I, I appreciate is it's towards the end of the year. So it's acknowledging that I forget what percentage, I don't know, 75% or some large number of percentage gives at the end of the year. Absolutely. And you would think that writing a letter like this is super easy because you live and breathe the work every day. So surely you could just sit down and write a letter about it. But it's actually harder to do uh, than it sounds. Um, And so I was thinking that maybe today we should share with our listeners a few suggestions for how to draft a letter that you feel good about sending and that helps you raise the funds you need to fulfill your mission. Sounds awesome. What do we need to know? Well, first, of course, we don't actually start with the letter. (laughs) Like all good advice from the nonprofit radio show, it starts with thinking about the bigger picture and what your overall strategy is. And so you really should start by thinking about what's been your communication with donors over the whole year. You should know where your annual appeal letter fits into that, what I call communications flow. Um, So you certainly don't want to send a letter asking for money if that's the first time you've communicated with someone all year. You need to be thinking about what are sort of the messages that they've been receiving without asking them for money before you get to the letter. Mm, So I'm hearing if people have their bingo card in front of them, strategy, Mm. (laughs) but also really it's about relationships and it's about that building that connection. And so it is absolutely true that if you've just gotten to know somebody, you don't immediately ask for the bill. 
Correct. Right. It's just this annual appeal letter is just one part of your communications puzzle. And while we all do it at one time of the year because it's efficient that way and small nonprofits have to be efficient, um, we should be thinking about what's come right before it and especially the lead in. What's coming? If I want to send this letter, let's say on November 1st, then what should I be making sure someone maybe receives from me at the end of September or early October so that they're hearing the good news and sort of thinking about the issues of your mission uh, ahead of time. So that then when this letter hits, it's like, oh, it has some greater context to it. It makes so much sense. So so what's the first kind of step in doing this? Well, so I um, went to a conference once and I heard this really great advice, which is to go into your database and pick one or two people who you know from your donor database, maybe donors you are especially fond of getting to see, and draft your letter to them. This one organization, I think they were from Ireland and at this conference, they actually took a, a photograph of the uh, donor that this real donor and she pasted it to the wall by her computer so that when she was typing in her draft, she was looking at that person in her mind. And um, so draft the letter as if you're writing just to them. And what is it that you want that donor to know about where your mission has been and where it's going? Because a good letter, even though it is written to lots of people, feels personal and really authentic, like you're writing just to them. And I bet it gives you more of a conversational tone as opposed to maybe an academic five paragraph essay. It has more of a, you know, you you lose the jargon, you lose the fancy words and the the big ideas. You just put it in everyday language. Perfect. That's exactly right. The next step is to have a theme. So I always think of writing the annual appeal letter sort of like writing a speech. Uh, you need that initial hook. We've talked about the art of gathering and the, how important those first moments are. Well, the same is true in your annual appeal letter. You need to grab the reader's attention early. Um, and those opening lines or even opening paragraph really matters to establishing kind of what's my thread in this? What what is the story I'm trying to weave together from all the news from our organization? And so I often start by just brainstorming words or themes from the last year. Like if I if I had to stand up and give a speech about what do I think this last year was like, or what do I hope the next year forward looks like? What are the themes we're focused on? I start with those and then see if that gets me to an interesting opening. I love those ideas. I think a lot about, I might think with a hook, you know, what, what has our strategy been? And not that I'm going to use the word strategy, Correct. But I might see the through line of our activities that perhaps was encapsulated in our strategy, but it just shows that these various activities were connected. Totally. Or maybe you just recently had a conversation with someone and they asked you a question that made you think, or maybe you just read something about your greater mission and sort of made you realize, oh yeah, this year we've got to make sure we're thinking about this. Share that with that one or two people that you feel like you're writing to. Mm -hmm. So what's your next tip? Well, this is a weird one and I fought it for a long time, but research shows us time and time again that longer is better to a point. (laughs) And that's really important. 
when I first started in, in the nonprofit world, the four page donor letter was considered the gold standard. And I think if you pay attention to the mailings you might get from major national organizations, they are often still, you know, two pages double-sided. I personally think that for a small nonprofit that's trying to be personalized and authentic with your donors, that four page feels a little too formal and formulaic. But I actually think of a one piece of paper with two sides, that's about the goal length for what you're trying to write. You will be pushed by your board members or others who say, get it all into one page. That's all anyone reads. But the reality is people want to know enough about your organization to want to be inspired to give to it. So you have to give enough sort of information and meat into that letter so that they can really fully understand um, what you're saying. And if you're writing a good, interesting letter with an interesting through line, they'll keep reading. They absolutely will. I think four pages is too long. I absolutely agree with that. But a two-page front-back situation, and so often I see there's like pull-out quotes or pictures, or it's not, you know, two pages of 10-point font front-back with nothing, you know, nothing happening. It really does allow you to to hear the full story of of the organization. And then the next thing to be really thoughtful of as you're drafting is to be super clear about your ask. Don't hide that this is a fundraising letter. This shouldn't feel like maybe maybe your newsletter has a section where you get to write your kind of you know, deep thoughts and reflections. It can start with that, but somewhere in there, this has, as you said at the beginning, has a clear purpose. And the clear purpose is to ask you to renew your support or to become a supporter if you aren't yet. You need to be blatantly clear about that. It needs a good call to action. And you should repeat that at least twice. Once somewhere near the beginning. So I'm prepped as the reader for what I'm getting. And once as a reminder near the end, don't be shy. And in the process of making that ask, make sure the content of your letter includes what it is your support makes possible. So I have a question about this because often I see amounts filled in. So assuming they have a database and they know what I gave last year. And so I have seen, you know, so please consider giving $100 or, you know, something like that. What what do you think about being specific like that? Mm, Such a good question. And I'd love to hear from our listenership on that. I'm certain that the data would tell you that there's some value to that. In my personal experience with our donors, I don't do that. I feel like sometimes it limits them. And instead, what we do is on our reply card, we have a sticker that shows you the date and amount of your last gift. So you at least know that I am not asking you again two months after I asked you. And you can gauge, oh, okay, last year I gave $50. Does that feel about right this year? Or wow, I may be so inspired. So I don't tend to put that in the letter. I've certainly seen it. And I'm sure there's research being done that that shows that for some audiences that works. But I think this is a great example of really knowing your donor base. And in my world, we have a lot of people who we hope will make bigger jumps in their gifts over time. They get to know the organization. So I don't want to limit them. What a great idea to put it on the reply card, because I'll be honest, I tend to forget what I've given people in the past. And I'm like, huh, I know I gave them a check in the last, uh, I don't know. So thanks for reminding us. Right. And sometimes, and that's a great way to deal with someone who's maybe been more than a year since they gave. You don't have to call it out. It's just quietly on the reply card that their last gift was in 2021. And that is just a nice, graceful way to point it out. 
It's so awesome. Okay. So what's your next tip? Uh, make it easy to read. So it's really important to look at how it looks on the page. Um, you want to be sure you have some things in bold. Some of your readers will literally only read your letter by reading the things in bold. So you have to go back through and pretend, what if I didn't read anything else but the things in bold? Do I get enough? You can't obviously have everything in bold, <laughs> um, but you want to make sure just the key points are in bold. If you can add a picture or two, boy, that makes a letter so much more engaging. And these days that should be relatively straightforward to do. And then here's one that I was, I'm always surprised at, but the PS really matters. People read the PS. <laughs> um, and in fact, some people will read the first few bold lines and then skip to the PS. So make sure you put something good in your PS, something that you actually want someone to read. So a good letter, what you're aiming for, is one that works for that donor who will read every word of it and one who the end a letter that'll work for the donor who's only going to skim it. So this makes me think that as you're writing an annual appeal, I bet you have someone outside of your leadership circle who will read it to make sure Correct. it resonates with them. Absolutely. Absolutely. Having it read by a couple different people, some of whom are close, some of whom are far from your organization is really powerful. Very cool. What else? You need to make the giving easy. So, you know, you are sending a letter or even if you are doing this digitally, which some people do, it needs to be super clear for me how I respond to your call to action. So if you are doing it via mail, it's great to have different options. You know, like you could send in the enclosed card with a check. Some people still do that. Or here's our web address where you can go online and give or maybe even a QR code that takes them right there. If you're online, then of course you want to have a link to where I go to give. You you just want to make it totally easy for me to not miss what it is you want me to do. Because if you can get me to take action in that moment, that's that's when I'm most likely to remember to do it. Um, so it always makes it clear how I am supposed to give um, since you've got my attention right now as I'm reading it. So that tells me you need both a commun communication strategy but also almost a donation receiving strategy. You know, I can take checks, I can take credit card. Recently, somebody asked me about Venmo or PayPal. I mean, I, you decide what works for you, but it feels like having that suite of donation capabilities is really helpful. Yep. And then the last thing I would say is have a thank you plan. So you get all excited when you finally have your annual appeal letter drafted and you get even more excited once you have them all stuffed in envelopes if you're mailing them or have hit send on the digital button, but it's not over. And in fact, your relationship with those donors is just uh, you know, kind of continuing or beginning in some cases. So you have to have a thank you plan. Um, and this is when you refer back to that year long communication plan and know ahead of time how you're going to thank people. I even draft my thank you letter right after I've drafted my annual appeal letter. So some of that theme or thread can kind of reappear in it. And you always should be thinking ahead of time about how are we going to get the thank you letters out if you're an all-volunteer organization? You know, maybe that means you've got a, a crew of volunteers ready to help. And how are you going to streamline that process for them? If you're a staffed organization, you know, who's going to help get the information into your database and how literally will the thank you letters go out? So before I mail an appeal letter, I always know how I'm going to get out the thank you letter. That is so cool. And I imagine this is where you could also engage your board or your team and I, 
I think the one piece that I would add to all of this is is thinking about your larger follow up, that there may be ways through social media or other communication to let it be known that you've just dropped your annual appeal. You're so excited. You know, you're hoping to raise X amount of money um, because there are some people like me who often wait until right after Christmas to actually write all my checks that totally I might receive it on November 1st or whatever, but I, I tend to keep a big pile and I wait until that time between Christmas and New Year's to actually write the check. So if I saw a reminder on social media or whatever, it would probably kind of bring it back to the top of my brain that I should probably write that check. Uh, that's exactly and a really good point and and a good reminder too that you know all these people you're mailing it to they all have their own way of doing things and so you want your giving mechanisms and um your reminders and all those pieces to be really flexible to meet the person who has a set time they give to meet the person who only responds when they get something you know you you got to be flexible when you're thinking about who you're mailing all this to so what's our word of the week well i think it should be appeal um, and uh, I think about that word in in two different ways, both in how I think we use it in general and, and specifically in an annual appeal letter. And that is an appeal is an ask or a request, but also you want something to appeal to someone as in to be pleasing to them. And that's the art of writing a good annual appeal letter. It's how to be that clarity in the ask and the request, and then the art in sort of making it appealing to someone, making it engaging, drawing you into the story of our mission. Mm -hmm. So true. I think the only piece I would add to that is something that's appealing makes me smile. And if we have annual appeal letters that by the end of the letter, when that person is reading the PS, yeah. they're smiling. Yeah. That's an incredibly powerful thing. Oh, I love that, Nancy. That's a great way to to end this advice on uh, writing an annual appeal. So as you prepare for the end of the calendar year fundraising phase, you may find yourself, like me, dreading writing your annual appeal letter. Yes, it is a challenge, um, but with some forethought and with a little creativity, you can create a letter that you feel good about and that inspires your fellow movement builders. Use the drafting process as a way to reflect on where you've been and where you're going and let that process invigorate you. It always does for me. Be clear, be sincere, and be interesting. Think like you are writing to one person and make it easy for them to want to read and respond to your whole letter. Your mission matters. Just let the others know why. You've got this. Thank you for listening to the Nonprofit Radio Show today. Tell your friends about the Nonprofit Radio Show and follow us on your favorite podcast app. Visit nonprofitradioshow.com for tips, tools, and free resources for nonprofits. The show is produced by Nancy Bacon and Sarah Brooks in partnership with the Nonprofit Learning Center, delivering learning and innovation to help nonprofits thrive. Our production team is Steve Fonslet and Mep Schulte of Three Choices Creative Communications. We always love to hear from our listeners. We're inspired by you and other nonprofit leaders doing important work in our communities. 